You have just tuned in for the latest transmission of Stranger Than Fiction. Joining me on today's show is Professor Dolores Cahill. She is the Professor of Translational Science at UCD School of Medicine, University College of Dublin. She was a contributor to the EU Commission Health Policy Committee. She is also a worldwide renowned expert in high-throughput proteomics technology development and automation, high-content protein arrays. Now, before we get into today's show, I do have to thank Mark Malloy, a.k.a. Mouse, for helping to make this interview happen. Before we get into it, if this just happens to be your first time ever watching any of my videos, I do encourage you to check out and explore my channel. Make sure you subscribe, smash that like button, and hit that notification bell so you can stay up to date with my videos as they come out. I encourage everyone to check out my Patreon channel where I post up exclusive content, you get early access to videos, and it's a way to support the channel directly. Be sure you follow me on Library and Odyssey, where I have backups of all my videos and post up extra content. And check out Rice Radio, that is hosted on Anchor.fm, and it's available on every major podcasting platform at Rice Radio, with new episodes coming out weekly. And in case you don't know, I am partnered up with Money Metals Exchange, and that means you can get a free half ounce of silver. All you need to do is go to moneymetals.com, be a first-time buyer, purchase $100 or more, make sure you use the promo code RICE, R-I-C-E, you get that free half ounce of silver, and it's an additional way to support the channel as well. I'm going to have links down below for everything I just mentioned, as well as everything we talk about on today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the honor and privilege of being joined by Professor Dolores Cahill. She is currently the Professor of Translational Science at UCD School of Medicine, University College Dublin. She's been a contributor to the EU Commission Health Policy and so much more. Welcome to the show, Ms. Dolores. How are you doing today? It's lovely, Chris. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm a great fan. I really appreciate you accepting the invitation. I look forward to our future conversations and being able to help you with things in the future, which we'll dive into here in just a minute. I want to talk about some of these projects that you're involving yourself in outside the world of science and and medicine. But before we get into that, do you mind kind of giving people a little bit of a background who may not be familiar with who you are as to who Professor Dolores Cahill is? Yes, and I'll try and keep it short. Uh, my background, my degree is in molecular genetics, my PhD is immunology, and for 25 years, I've been working to try and improve uh, the diagnosis of autoimmune disease and cancer, including early diagnosis, uh, so that people can make lifestyle changes and reduce the symptoms. And to do that, I invented a technology called high-content protein arrays uh, back Nearly 25 years ago, I patented it. The patents were granted worldwide. And I set up a company with other co-founders called Protogen. And we commercialized that and including in applications to look at, which is relevant for now, whether antibodies and diagnostic tests that were on the market, actually the antibodies, whether the tests were specific uh, and whether they actually did what they were sold for. And that brought me in for 25 years into a world around research integrity which is means um, are scientists and doctors what they're saying and their results, are they true? And I thought I'm a kind of a solution-focused person, so I thought 
We can set up, as many others have, biorepositories. You would put whatever you're claiming in your publications or in your products into a repository. Everyone else can check your results. So I was involved with many others in setting up the resource center of the Human Genome Project, which the German government funded 40 technicians for 10 years. And I put all of my work in there, um, but I met a lot of resistance from people and including correcting things that were published. And it's now well known for 10 years that maybe 80%, 80 of all of the peer reviewed publications in science, biology and medicine cannot be validated. That doesn't mean that there's huge errors, but it means that there's not enough information or that the results are not reproducible. And so I've been saying for 20 years and trying to do research career structures that people should not get promoted just by having the publication. They should put all of their data and their you know, clones or antibodies or viruses into public repositories. And I've been on the Irish Advisory Science Council for 10 years, advising the EU as an expert for 15 years, that uh, you know, a significant percentage, like one 20%, of research funding around the world should be for validation and replication and storage of this kind of data. And we would not have the issues with the virus, with the PCR testing, uh, with a lot of the, um, and even the safety studies of previous vaccines if we didn't do this. So I suppose my area is in autoimmune disease and advising governments. Uh, and in validation and research integrity. And I did work in the EU, and I also worked and ran a biosafety lab. I worked in a class three, four, and I ran a class two, three. So that's the kind of lab that has been mentioned in relation to this virus in China. Wow, that is extremely impressive. And, you know, and not to dismiss that, because we're definitely, for the people who want to know about what's going on with you currently in regards to your thoughts with the vaccine, with the PCR test and what you're doing, we're definitely going to be covering that. But when you just kind of touched on some things that when we talked privately, I could tell that decentralization, blockchain technology, and cryptocurrencies are something that you've been looking into and utilizing. And in addition to all the science and medical uh, you know, basically this huge long list of things that you've accomplished, you're also well-versed in the financial world as well and very, very much freedom-oriented. So I've heard about this Freedom Airway project that you're co-founding and spearheading. I'd like to learn about that. I'd like to learn how that's working. And I'd like to find out what other projects that you're currently involved in outside the science and medical world that you're looking to help um, bring a little bit more of an element to freedom and human rights to people. Thank you. And I suppose one of the reasons why I got into the freedom space is around academic freedom. So the thing is, when you're raising issues about research integrity, or even just if, you know, my area is around the immune system, and if you have it that will say in a lot of the education systems and in universities, the immune system uh, is not taught as significantly well as it should be, uh, that then you come up against freedom and freedom of speech, because there seems to be in a lot of areas in you know politics and media and society and in the universities where the kind of people do not encourage uh, alternative attitudes or criticism of current kind of dogmatic views. So academic freedom and freedom of speech is a core aspect of research because science 
and research and medicine is not at all, if when you hear about anyone talking about consensus in the same phrase as research or science or medicine, then you know that that actually is the opposite of science. Because as we know, you know, like in Galileo or in Einstein, you know, that people, one person can actually come up with something that changes the whole paradigm of how research feels uh, are, you know, analyzed, right? right? So it is totally unscientific to say um, that there is a consensus about anything or that everyone agrees. That is the whole point. If you want a profession in science, you have to actually be pretty robust because that's how science progresses is someone challenging people and saying, I think you're wrong. And then you have to actually push back. So why I'm mentioning that is as well, an issue that I have been raising um, more vocally in the last few years is around adverse events of medical treatment and adverse events associated with vaccines. And when somebody says, for example, a medicine is safe and effective, I have been saying, you know, for vaccines that the word safe should have a meaning. And that means that there is a randomized placebo control in our world study. And if that has not been done on individual vaccines, or on vaccine schedules, then no one, the regulators or anyone should be saying that the vaccine is safe and there should be effectiveness studies. And also the major issue with vaccines and medicines is, um, is it necessary, right? What is the harm to do with the particular infection and what is the adverse events or harm? And so why I got into the freedom space as well is that the information around informed consent why do you need that? And the reason why you need that is that we have, um, you know, a right to say who would do anything to our bodies or who would even touch us, right? If you don't consent to something, if you don't consent to a treatment, that is what's called an inalienable right to bodily integrity. And in the inalienable right, so inalienable means rights that cannot be taken away. Right. We have, because we are born and can never be taken away by a government or anyone, is freedom of speech, freedom to think, freedom to assemble and associate, bodily integrity and access to justice. And these are rights that come to us as people. Uh, they can never be taken away and they're enshrined the people make the nation. And then there's kind of a wall below that and that the people and the nation bring governments into existence but the governments are only legitimate if they do not do any act, statute, guideline or regulation that will infringe on our inalienable rights. Right. And so with the vaccine, you have to give full informed consent to a person for them to make an informed choice for them to decide they are going to get, we'll say, vaccinated or medical treatment. But why freedom of speech and, and open debate and, and critical analysis is important is that the voices who are saying there may be issues with vaccines have been systematically shut down for 25 years. So for about 10, more than a decade, I have been looking into then the legal basis around informed consent and bodily integrity, and that goes into the area of inalienable rights and freedoms. So that's why I have um, done a lot of study around that. and. Uh, things like enshrining in, it was a English constitutional law on the Magna Carta in 1215. So that's kind of the freedom space. So where that then comes into uh, Freedom Airway, so the full name of the company that we've set up is Freedom Airway and Freedom Travel Alliance. 
What's the website real quick so I can make sure we And the website is called uh, freedomairway.com. Okay. Freedomairway.com. And also we have another website, Freedom Travel Alliance. They go back to the same thing. So the company is Freedom Airway and Freedom Travel Alliance because a lot of the issues that we're doing now is looking at the policy and the legislation uh, around travel, you know? So even if people fly using other airlines and in airports, they are now worried, what is my inalienable right? If someone is coercing me to say, if you are, for example, American and you're going home, that as a person or citizen of that nation, that they are saying you have to be forced to take a PCR test that you don't want to do, you have to get this gene therapy, mRNA you don't want to do, then you are coming into the area of people are coercing you into a medical treatment that is actually infringing on your inalienable rights. And those infringements, when uh, governments and presidents sign into law things that infringe on those, they actually make the government uh, unlawful, right? Because the governments, for people will know, will be the politicians, presidents, prime ministers, uh, and the courts, and the police. But they, the governments are only legitimate if they do not infringe on their on our inalienable rights. And this is something that has been shown over hundreds and thousands of years, that if the people are not aware of these inalienable rights and don't have the power to defend them, that the governments become tyrannical and uh, tyranny and authoritarian. And so, you know, the first, exactly what they are doing is infringing people's right to medical information by being censored. Yeah, infringing on our rights even to, so to think and speak, you need to get information and receive it. So we've been censored on social media, not been allowed to participate in debate. And I was one of the organizers in both of the rallies, you know, in Trafalgar Square. And to organize a meeting there two days before they brought in unlawful uh, acts of parliament, that it was a fine of 10,000 pounds and six months in prison for organizing a meeting of more than six people. And we had over, you know, 37,000 at that meeting. And now they are infringing on bodily integrity. And we have uh, people who are dressed in police uniforms, but are doing unlawful acts by actually intimidating people to tell them, you know, after a certain time at night, they cannot leave their homes or forcing them to be prisoners. So all of the very basic uh, rights and freedoms that people have that can never be taken away within one year uh, unlawfully, and I would say uh, criminally, the politicians around the world are coercing people and infringing on these rights. So part of Freedom Airway then is to, to tell, explain to people that we have these inalienable rights to travel, including a citizen returning to their home country, um, and that if a state or an airport or some official is coercing you to do something there that is unlawful, you know, potentially people can take legal cases, we can point them to lawyers, we won't be, or we may decide to take precedence cases uh, ourselves. And also they can, uh, the person who's actually doing something unlawful, if they are in a uniform of airport police, uh, they are not acting under their oath because they take an oath they are only paid because they swear a note to uphold their inalienable rights. So personally, that person, you can hold them to account for uh, whatever they do to you, but also for the time if you are detained in a hotel. So Freedom Airways then 
Uh, we have a membership model on the website. You can join as member and, uh, and you'll have access to information and policy and we will use that money initially for advice, but also the aim is to use the money to get flights uh, to countries where, which are initially already open. So for example, you can go, you know, Brazil is open, Tanzania is open, Austria is open, uh, Sweden is pretty open and there are lots of countries around the world. So if people want to leave America, they can to go to countries that are open and, and we will also try and make arrangements where we can abide by the law, but push back on unlawful regulations to return people to America in the future or potentially to Canada. You're muted, Chris. Yes, I am sorry. I was muted. I was trying to mute myself while I was pulling up the website so I could show everybody the website. I apologize about that. Uh, I think this is a great idea, and uh, I will have links down below for everything that we're talking about, including freedomairway.com. And I love the idea of a, an airway, an, an airline that respects human rights. I think that, yeah. and the idea that you're saying, uh, of just basically trying, because I'm a voluntarist. I don't like things being forced upon me. And coercion no is definitely a, a version of forcing. And they try to make it sound like it's things that we're doing for the betterment of everybody, but it's violating and infringing upon our God-given rights, um, which is natural law. Everything that you were saying reminded me of, of me teaching people about what natural law is, the, the karmic law, the god's law and um so it's a, it's a powerful thing is how are you integrating cryptocurrency and blockchain technology with yeah so you, you just go up there from day one we just said fafta coins just below the airline there so what we've decided is because we are freedom loving people um and a lot of the issues that we're having you know in censorship is related to a lot of the globalist companies um actually infringing on our our um inalienable rights and free speech, that I'm a great advocate now of privacy platforms. So if you just go up, it's underneath the uh, airplane there, just underneath. If you go down actually another little bit, okay. you'll see that there's a FAFTA coin. Okay, just click on here. News and, events, news and events there, is that we're actually working with some of the creators of uh, that have been around in the cryptocurrency space for uh, 10 years. Uh, and we're working with them to try and generate a cryptocurrency coin that we can then use to exchange, but also to acknowledge in a way the cryptocurrency community. So we could use this coin potentially to uh, exchange with other coins to provide investment opportunities for the uh, air, the company and also for people to pay uh, for flights in the future. And we would love in a way for people as well, if we have FAFTA coins, that we would build a community and support the crypto community to use these in real life to buy and barter, you know, because right. the whole um, encrypted space uh, is that if we want to do any kind of transactions or even for medical data or for emails or for any kind of exchange, we have even seen that we had our email servers, you know, were interfered with, uh, and also where our, you know, potentially there are issues with what banking system you use in the real world. So what I am a total advocate that what I'm saying is, it's like as if we were arriving in California, you know, or Canada a few hundred years ago, 
essentially the infrastructure that we would have come to live with in the last 20, 30 years around banking, you know, web hosting, mm -hmm. uh, banking online. Even if you have your money in a globalist type bank and you want to buy cryptocurrency, often now the bank won't actually let you spend your own money to right. buy cryptocurrency and do transfer, right? So, right, and also if you know, we've seen that I think it was the um, American Frontline Doctors and uh, Dr. Gold that at the same time, her, I think, professional website, her personal website and the American Frontline Doctor website, they were all on different hosting services, but they were all taken down at the same time. So if you're in business and you've got a few thousand or tens of thousands of customers and clients and people that you are interacting with, and if your entire email server is taken down or your bank account is frozen or you have money in it, but they are deciding what you can and cannot buy, then really we need to, uh, in the freedom world, realize that we are in transition and I would be very supportive and I'm actually looking for robust, we'll say, even domain server hosting, mm -hmm. you know, website server hosting, what is the best banks? What is the best transaction banks? What is the best banks that will allow you to buy cryptocurrency? And of course, what we will need, and I would totally support, is that people can buy things on websites with crypto uh, and or with fiat money, right? Because right. fiat, you know, is also we're undergoing hyperinflation from what's going on. And even though uh, I would be very well aware of the cryptocurrency, um, that maybe we need a privacy solution. And I would see that uh, in the cryptocurrency and freedom space, we need to start moving. And there's huge opportunities for media companies as well, um, as well as exchange. And also I should say that I'm very honored to be co-founder of a media company in the United Kingdom. Okay. And the company is called Happen.network. Money Metals Exchange, the most trusted silver and gold dealer with the lowest prices and fastest shipping. And you can get a free half ounce of silver. Visit moneymetals.com. If you're a first time buyer, purchase $100 or more and use the promo code RICE, R-I-C-E, you'll get a free half ounce of silver. Visit moneymetals.com. Happen.network. Happen.network and the website isn't live yet. We're just um, sorting out actually the you know web hosting and the bank account issues just to be sure that it will be robust. And Happen.network is also behind uh, the producers and a lot of people worked on it uh, for a documentary called at the new normal, and that will actually be launched on the website in the next, uh, in the middle of February. We also have a subscription model for that as well, that people can subscribe, and it's around three pounds a month to get content. And what we also want to do is, you know, it will be a voice for uns, uh, to for uncensored voices, and that if people around in America, Canada, around the world have content we would be looking to host the content there and to be a platform, you know, like a 24 hour channel for people. So we all, you know, have lost connections with a lot of the ones we used to watch on, dif on different globalist ones. So we are trying to link people so that there will be a home for content and also potentially provide an editing service, you know, for documentaries. Mm -hmm. And that if people have articles written about them, that they could have, you know, they could pay for, 
editing and right of reply, which is often not given. You know, we see that there's articles written about us on the globalist media, or we are being targeted by some, you know, globalist news organizations and people don't have a right to reply. Uh, and I think and now we you have the option to go to happen.network and subscribe to the ma mailing list um, and we will be launching uh, the new normal. And also I'm president of the World Freedom Alliance and there will be a launch of a documentary on the World Freedom Alliance the last time we were in Copenhagen and that will be on the worldfreedomalliance.org website and that was made by uh, Phil and Liam and people in Oracle Films. So that will also be premiered in Oracle Films at, on Wednesday, the 3rd of February, and we'll be there to view. Wow, you, you are just, I was telling you before we started recording, you are just so incredibly busy. I mean, just, I can't even imagine how you have the time to do all this, but. So maybe I should say though, that's the, that like in the, um, in the new normal documentary that was done by a team of people that did all the work and it is their work and uh, really happens.network is a group of producers. But for a lot of the time now that people may not want to be front and center, you know, because right. they want to remain behind the scenes. So in a lot of these cases, I'm very honored to be the person who is, you know, given the opportunity to talk about these things. And um, now I am an honored to be involved with the company and with uh, Freedom Airways as well. We're calling us the FAFT of five. So it's Freedom Airways, Freedom Travel Alliance. And there are four other co-founders. We're all in it together. And there are uh, three Americans and one Canadian, and I'm Irish, and uh, four women and one man. So we had our first meeting today actually with our members. Uh, I think there was 400 people that wanted to come in on the call. And wow. we had a, an official presentation you know, to our members about what FAFTA is about, and we took questions and answers. So that was very interesting. And we also have advisory bodies to FAFTA. So we also had a meeting today of, um, there's a lot of pilots and crew uh, that are supporting us because of course a lot of people do not want to be coerced to carry on their profession by uh, getting a PCR test or getting vaccinated. And I think if anyone's listening, there's a huge opportunity in HR and in public relations, you know, and in jobs that, you know, companies that will not coerce people into unnecessary PCR testing and uh, gene therapy treatment, you know. I love it. And I love the fact that you're standing up for for people in regards to um, just trying to bring some more legitimacy and integrity to this whole entire system of medicine. And when it comes, especially when it comes to these PCR tests and things that you're specialized in, what I do want to say is I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you to learn more, you know, as you're growing out in some of these other areas and creating these different things you're talking about. I know that we talked privately about me trying to help out with some of the cryptocurrency and blockchain yeah. stuff. And I definitely want to, you know, mention Nexus because that's a technology of blockchain that I want to hook you with, uh, hook you up Brilliant. with Colin Cantrell. So see how there could be some work done with that. I'd like to meet your team that is involved with the cryptocurrency space that's helping you with right. creating your coin. And um, so I'm I definitely- I love that. And thank you very much. And just for your listeners, Chris, as you've been very helpful to me, you know, before all, you've put a lot of help to me before you mentioned to do the interview. So I'm very, very grateful. And, you know, a lot of the crypto community have reached out to me. No, really, it's amazing. Well, thank and you. one of the things that I would love to do in return is that whatever I actually use myself, 
So I'm deciding myself what will be the structure because we can go into the PCR sequencing project, but that will have to be robust. But also in the World Freedom Alliance, what I was hoping to do is that if, if there are companies that help people and support our inalienable rights and freedom of speech, that I would love to have like a list you know, of the ones that are robust and recognize our bodily integrity rights and, and freedom to travel, freedom of speech. And then to mainly say like companies, like one airline uh, did not recognize my inalienable rights to not wear a mask. And I was left stranded in Stockholm. And the next flight to the country, to Ireland was in four days and they didn't care. And they'd already blocked, you know, my whatever, topping up my phone and my credit cards and card bank cards were frozen. So essentially, they didn't, even mm. though I had a contract and a ticket, and my daughter actually had a school thing, you know, I'm a mom as well. And I, this was even at the gate, right? I wasn't even on the plane. They just uh, said no, that I wasn't flying. They were aware, I think, of that I was president. I'm not sure. Alliance. So, so those are the kind of airlines. And also we see there's a lot of bullying going on. And someone sent me videos, you know, where they're hassling people to take medical interventions. And from our inalienable rights in the Nuremberg Code, the employees doing that, that is unlawful behavior. And no matter what kind of chaos the globalists want, I'm in the World Freedom Alliance, we have a lawyer's arm, and what we kind of need to do is to, to expand it out, the people who are listening, who have maybe time to volunteer, there are, there are so few lawyers and doctors standing up that in the World Freedom Alliance, we would love to have networks where in countries, maybe people who are retired or have more time would learn how to do the initial phases so that people who are in, you know, where the police actually do unlawful behavior or in the airports, um, that they would maybe coach them, you know, help them to do the initial paperwork and okay. that then it could be signed off by lawyers, you know, at the end. Or people might raise money so to find even newly qualified lawyers, you know, or retired lawyers in each country to help people. Because I think if police and airport personnel uh, and doctors who are doing unlawful behavior are actually held to account quickly, then we can stop this, you know. I agree. If we can hold people accountable for their actions, we would definitely need to, is going towards that world and just educating people is one of the most important things, which is why I do really appreciate and value your time and, and look forward to multiple conversations. Absolutely. But I'll be delighted to come back, Chris, and you can ring me and you know, your help, once I get my robust infrastructure for the various companies and it works, we'll say the media company, the airline company and the PCR sequencing uh, initiative that I'm working with many others around the world, if it's robust, we, I would love to share the information because every business owner who's trying to recover from this planned recession that's coming on, we need to support the companies, you know, that are really going out on a limb to support people for free speech. I completely agree. Completely. We need, we need to support one another. And you mentioned the PCR test. So let's kind of go into the science and medicine element. And I know you're limited on time and I want to be respectful of that. I'm not you've limited. Had a long no, day. I'm fine. You've, you've had an incredibly long day and it's late for you, but I appreciate. So the PCR test for people, there's a polymerase or polymerase chain reaction test. Um, how would you explain exactly what they are? Yeah, polymerase chain reaction, that's right. And um, no, Carrie Mullins got the Nobel Prize, I think, in 1886 or so. So it's a brilliant um, and quite elegant 
technology. So if you have a piece of, uh, we say DNA, people would remember it's double-stranded. So there's two strings, we say, of DNA. Mm -hmm. And what PCR does is say if you have, you want to multiply up something that is 400 nucleotides long or base pairs of DNA. Uh, so I just talk about DNA first because it's kind of simpler. Uh, that if you want to amplify it up, it's they're stuck together. So you have to have a high temperature. You separate the two strands of 400 base pairs. And then you have little primers that might be 20 nucleotides long, and they stick on to exactly one end of both. And then you have all the components and an enzyme that out of two single strands will make a double strand. So you okay. now have, you had one double strand. After one cycle, you have two strands of two. Mm -hmm. That's one cycle. And then it just so keeps the multiplying. Cycle, you just repeat it. You go up to a high temperature that melts the DNA. And then you go down to a temperature that the little 20 nucleotides again anneal. And then you go from two double-stranded to four. So that's the second cycle. And on the third cycle, you have eight. And then you go to 16 and 32, you know? Okay. So polymerase chain reaction. So every cycle, so say after 30 cycles, if you have a thousand million, then after 31 cycles, you will have uh, 2,000, you know, and 4,000. So, you know, 4 billion, 8 billion. Okay, so that's PCR. Yeah, polymerase chain reaction. And then initially as well, if you have, let's say, an mRNA, uh, then you would just have the enzymes to go for the first mRNA in the first cycle. So the initial one, you would then have DNA that would be onto it. So you'd have an mRNA-DNA hybrid. And then the next one, second cycle, that DNA would go to two DNAs and the other one would go to one mRNA, you know? So you okay. can start off from DNA or mRNA, and then you just multiply up. But what's very fundamental, and I've been saying it all along, is first of all, you would never just say a PCR test is positive or negative. So part of the research integrity that I've been involved in is you design experiments to have a positive control, a negative control, and then you would spike you know, another set of controls so that you would see exactly quantitatively how much strands of DNA or mRNA do you need to get a positive? And of course, if you keep multiplying up uh, this PCR, it was well known that even if there are fragments that are just uh, not specific, that once you start going to you know, multiple cycles, that those non-specific bits of DNA get amplified up non-specifically, and they can be templates so that you can end up with what looks like a positive but in biology and in diagnostics, just because you see a positive on a gel, you would never actually conclude anything. You always have to take that and put it into a DNA sequencing machine and see what is exactly there. Now, a common positive that's not a true positive is that these little primers, these 20 nucleotides that stick on to the 400 was they stretch, often stick to each other, you know? because of their melting and then they stick together and the primer dimers or primer chains can actually end up being a template, you know, for 
a positive result that gets amplified depending on the cycles. And so they, that is a, an often something that gives a positive on the test, but it's actually got nothing to do with the disease. Yeah, and I, and I don't understand why it's considered to be like a golden standard for testing um, for COVID. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I know that you're launching a project to sequence PCR test and that there's been 1,500 tests sequenced in October of 2020 where all were influenza A or B and not one was SARS-CoV-2. With so the initiative report, and it turns out there is another report to say that that may not be correct. So I have to stand corrected. When I talked about that, I said there was a report, okay. and I said that because even that wasn't in any peer-reviewed journal. So all along, I said that we would start my our project from scratch. So I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. But when you look at some of the World Health Organization's even data. Uh, from a World Health Organization graph that it looks like there's no influenza in this flu season when you would have normally, you know, tens of thousands of people that get influenza-like symptoms would be, cause, would be because of the influenza virus. And what people should maybe be aware of is that adenovirus and rhinovirus can give influenza-like symptoms, we'll say, in October, November, and then influenza can come. Um, and also coronaviruses are seasonal, so they only give influenza-like symptoms every year between December and April. Um, and also why coronaviruses don't give influenza-like symptoms after April is that the virus weakens, it mutates quite fast, and that everybody in a particular region will say in February, March, or March, April in America, February, March in Europe in these ones, uh, will get immunity within that region. Every single person will come across it. You know, maybe when they call the pandemic, the chances of dying from SARS-CoV-2 was one in 1.8 million. So it actually doesn't cause much symptoms. That was with no prevention and treatment. So if people are aware that vitamin C, D, and zinc will help everybody to uh, not get the symptoms, and if the doctors and medical professions around the world made hydroxychloroquine and zinc available as prevention, and or ivermectin, I'm saying that with all those preventions and treatments, not one person need die. So it's, it's also um, seasonal at the end of April because uh, people um, with this increased sunlight in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, the vitamin D and D3 actually boost their immune system uh, and they become easier to fight off. And of course, why so few people get any illness from coronavirus is that we've all evolved with them. Uh, we've come across them as common colds, and every year or two we get the coronavirus, and every year is similar. But everybody in the world uh, would be, because it's seasonal, immune from uh, coronaviruses in April 2020. And whatever is circulating and causing influenza now cannot be SARS-CoV-2, which they said. It could be a different coronavirus, it could be influenza, um, or they could be misdiagnosing. Uh, other diseases with the disease COVID-19. So why it's important is we will also be, you know, sequencing in, in independent labs. We will be doing this project similarly in other countries. You know, people can do it themselves in sequencing labs. And if the sequence comes back of adenovirus, rhinovirus, influenza, or that the positives are actually some non-specific amplification of the primers, 
But what we'll also be doing is checking the buffers and the PCR tests themselves in case there is you know, some kind of contamination. And there was a report on the CDC website on the 27th of February, 2020, yeah. um, that up to 70% of the SARS positive results were, were contaminated, were not correct up till then. And I am concerned maybe that those numbers would have gone into the WHO pandemic declaration. Now, as far as I know, that report isn't there anymore. Um, but, you know, there could be multiple reasons why something is positive. So when we deep sequence it, it could also be that they're amplifying human DNA or some kind of bacteria or another virus, or that even the buffers that are used, if they are contaminated with something that would give a positive result, uh, you know, we will find it out. But really, there's also an issue around financial issues and procurement and what the, the duty of care that each prime minister and minister, when they are ordering these tests and each advisory committee and Department of Health and Health Service, that they should be routinely checking one in a hundred of these positive tests anyway, because they, when they're spending a huge amount of citizens' money, they all have virus reference labs in every country. Uh, there are sequencing facilities, and it may cost a few hundred to sequence that everyone, if you're going to put someone on a ventilator or you're going to quarantine them, the government has to uh, do the sequencing. And it's an entirely malfeasance, and I would say, which is mal malfeasance in public office. And it's potentially uh, crimes if they're not uh, SARS-CoV-2, that the companies that are making money from manufacturing those tests, if they're not correct, uh, will need to give that money back. And also doctors can never diagnose uh, just with a positive PCR. So the doctor has to distinguish, you know, between, you cannot say just because you have a band, the doctor's duty of care and their medical insurance would require them to do the sequencing, which would can be done, you know, within two or three days, and then to tell the patient, because if those sequences come back with adenovirus or influenza, they might be treated differently. Right. Or if it was a false positive from primer dimer, that those patients are then not getting the treatment for influenza or for whatever the underlying condition is. So the doctor's indemnity insurance will kick in. And the same thing if governments are trying to quarantine people in airports and in hotels um, and, and it's not uh, SARS-CoV-2, then they, people can actually sue the prime minister individually for the two weeks that they have lost income. Monarch brings the world's best crypto services and companies to one safe, easy to use place, the Monarch Wallet. One app, one login, everything crypto. Your money, your way. Learn more at monarchwallet.com. Yeah, I mean, people, like I, like I said earlier, people definitely need to be held accountable. So you're launching a project to sequence PCR tests um, because these lockdowns are being based off positive PCR tests. And you're saying that PCR tests must be sequenced. Um, you must sequence what the PCR is being test is actually measuring. And you're saying exactly. that there's that it's not measuring correctly and you're trying to help set some kind of standard and then, yeah. so the thing is you and, don't and allow others to replicate those standards as well. 
Exactly. So it could be, and of course, I'm working with. I'm very honored that some of the absolute world leaders are, you know, going to be done in the labs of them, and it will be analyzed by people who are world leaders. So I am spearheading it. So I've been talking about, you know, doing this kind of project within the various, you know, groupings that I've been involved with. And I was hoping that people with labs might take it up. You know, I don't have a sequencing lab. So about uh, maybe six weeks ago, then I decided that I would spearhead it myself. Now we will be looking for funding for it. We have to apply for ethics, but there also is an opportunity that if people, now I myself would never take a PCR test. It's entirely unnecessary um, and I wouldn't do it. But uh, if people, you know, want to take these tests, we have to check what they're doing. But of course, the fundamental thing and why it, it all fits together around freedom of travel and freedom airways is that I'm doing this project initially as me, but of course it will benefit freedom airways and freedom of travel alliance, um, is that the legislation, right, in each country, so there is a um, duty by each elected president and prime minister and government that they should can have brought in legislation based on SARS-CoV-2. Now, if they have taken away all the rights of people and they have not used their science advisory committee and their viral reference labs and their sequence facilities to check that the, the legislation is actually relevant to that because if it's sequenced to be something else, then all of the legislation falls away and that we can check back as well, was this the case, we'll say last summer or last September, you know, or in the, you know, in the last nine months. Right. And if that was the case, that they did not do their duty of care to the citizens and locked them in their homes, denied them medical treatment and denied them an education, that then that rest, that is, um, you know, and lacking duty of care. There's also around paying money for the tests and fraud misrepresentation because the company should also have provided evidence in the procurement process to each of the governments and there the minister for health the prime minister and the president would have done it but when they are you know extending these lockdowns or signing them they would have had to check that the testing was correct so if not everybody who has had their fundamental rights and lost their jobs and businesses can actually claim under malfeasance directly to the president and prime ministers and ministers for health and everyone they interacted with directly under malfeasance is a person to person crime, right? You don't need the courts and the police. And if they have indemnity insurance, you can claim off that. If they don't have, you can claim off them personally. But also there's a crime of if governments bring in or maintain acts of parliament or regulations or guidelines that infringe on our inalienable rights, and they have taken a note, that actually constitutes treason as well, both individually by the presidents and prime ministers, but also collectively by the government. And they cannot fob it off onto any advisory committee uh, at all, because if they were not able to take the burden of those decisions on their shoulders, they should have resigned or they should have called for an election and let someone else do it. So the PCR testing is quite important. And also if they are saying that there are some variants or whatever, which I do not think is the case, or if we have some other virus or coronavirus 21, 
that we will already now have the sequencing facilities and methodology available and the network of lawyers to apply for the next uh, so-called virus that comes along. Wow, and I'm sitting here as I'm listening to this, I'm, I'm, I'm like, no wonder you're being so censored and they're trying to suppress your voice. <laughs> you're tr I mean, it's, uh, this is hardcore. So, I mean, anybody, there's a lot, you know, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, I had to cough, sorry, I had a little frog in my throat. I really honestly appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, you're sticking your neck out on the line for humanity and i appreciate you doing it and working with other constituents other important people world leaders i you know i think it's impressive to bring these these kind of things to light and i really appreciate you sharing that and listen i'm really honored you know chris it's not that um you know i'm really privileged and honored and a lot of the time i spend my day trying to connect people and i don't want to give the impression you know it's me there are like teams of people who are doing this and i'm just involved in networking and communicating and a lot of them would lose their jobs you know and their families may be under pressure so and it's a, a fabulous uh, opportunity and i'm really honored to do it so well, and i being so humble. Every day. Oh. just thank you for being so humble it's good to, to take the ego out of it and realize that it's not all about the i it uh it's definitely about <laughs> exactly not at collective. all not at all and the other thing is what I actually wouldn't mind, it's a message that I've been spreading in some of my meetings, mm -hmm. is that I think we should say really that February is, this is a turning point, right, in how the globalists have failed, that we've actually won, and they have failed because uh, there is now millions of people around the world connecting, and that with the crypto community, and with everybody finding alternative, you know, media to interconnect, and we now have like StreamYard and Zoom and Telegram and WhatsApp that we can all video each other. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of ones like uh, Signal that are more open source, right? And we have a beautiful banking. And since their banking is built on nothing, right, that everyone must know that fiat means like out of nothing. Um, that actually, you know, they might criticize the crypto space, but really it's the same for fiat. It really and is. And what's very interesting as well, and will become more evident, you know, I call it a wall, you know, we have these natural rights, freedom of speech, assembly, travel, bodily integrity, access to justice, right? And then you have the people in the nation, and then you have this wall, and underneath that is the government, right? And then the government is whatever the politicians, the courts, and the police. But what everyone should need to know very simply is that, you know, over 100 years ago, that unlawfully in a lot of our countries, uh, they have brought banks, you know, the state into existence. And that what's now becoming evident in a lot of our countries is that the state is actually a corporation that's registered on some uh, company's registration website where all our taxes go, and that unlawfully and potentially criminally, instead of having the bank of the country resting in the nation, because the money-making actually rests with the people, that unlawfully the Federal Reserve-type banking is down with the governments and the state and it actually is not lawful at all. And the money-making and interest rate is actually separate companies, which then 
maybe influence the politicians to make laws to hide it from everyone in the education system, but also to generate this money out of nothing that's used to undermine our societies and to potentially make politicians bring in laws that infringe on our inalienable rights and damage our health, right? It's but a vicious it's cycle. Yes, it is. But the beauty is that for about 100 years, people were not aware of it. But in the last 20 years, there's been a lot of people, you know, researching this and been intimidated or coerced in their professions or kind of had mantras going, you know, vaccines are safe and effective or, oh, there's nothing to see in banking and alienating people. But now, really, those people are probably, I would say, 40% of society have totally on their own educated themselves, and they are dedicating their lives to say, no, I know in my field, or whether it's banking or education or medicine or in food or the so-called green agenda, where actually they are damaging the environment much more than what was done. We have hardly any insects. You know, the farmers used to look after their community and the animals, and now it's all decimated. Yeah. And we have these non-elected, unaccountable things like the United Nations that has really no legitimacy. And if there's a peace treaty, you know, from the world First World War, the United Nations is not in existence, and EU laws are not higher than our own nation laws. So essentially, in about 20 aspects of society, we've been told the exact opposite to what is the truth. And so the truth will win out. But what I think is not only is health, right? People want to interact with people to be healthy, not to be sick. Right. We want education to tell us the truth and we can assess it. And our children should have critical analysis skills, be entrepreneurial, understand money, and you know, be able to blossom in life and not be bored in the education system. But I think the media and the politicians and the corruption and how our legal system doesn't give us access to justice is all exposed. But I think the beauty and why I'm so honored to be you know, in touch with people in the crypto community is that we want to build a new world of businesses and small businesses and privacy and new money, right? And whether that is gold or silver or barter or food, or if we use crypto and private crypto as a means of exchange, that that can actually, I would say in one year, the globalists will not know what hit them because there is a whole network and someone like me, I can get into the crypto space. I've already been in it for many years, but we will make it easier. And we will be saying in crypto that you will get privacy. No one can start taking away your company and your data. And in health, you'll get privacy, but also you'll get access to money. And if the governments are wasting our taxes or if it's shown that they have put them into some unlawful accounts in a corporation in the state that goes to benefit a certain subset of society, that we can very easily return the banking system of our nations back to the people above the wall of government and then have a regime. Because you know, with the two or 3% in the Tobin tax, on all transactions except the family home, there is enough money to run the state. And this will free people up. So the aim would be in this wonderful world, maybe clean water, good food, that you would interact with a healthcare professional to have your symptoms gone, which is my life's work, right? Not to just take a, 
long-term medication. Right. And if they're censoring beautiful treatments like Nobel Prize winning hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin C, and ivermectin, and that access to pure water or clean water is, and you know, reduce the stress because people aren't paying enormous amount of unlawful and unnecessary taxes, that I would say the globalists don't know what hit them. And because the crimes of malfeasance, you know, that they're doing, like the politicians, uh, you know, spending money saying there is a pandemic when they didn't give them treatments, and then forcing people to do tests that they haven't done any checks on, that that rests on individual shoulders and the crime of malfeasance is above this wall, as is fraud, misrepresentation and forgery, and they go on forever. And I've been very happy to be involved in various natural law tribunals and people's courts as a witness, that there's already the infrastructure to hold people to account. And under constitutional law and equity, you can have a jury of 12 of your peers and a convener, which costs no money, can meet within a month. And there are grand juries in our countries, right? By our peers, the jury makes the decision. And if it's been shown that the courts have not been held in public, that the police have been going around unlawfully misrepresenting themselves, that they have uh, are upholding their oaths and are unlawfully you know, preventing people from traveling or forcing them into their homes, then those individual police can actually be held to account and find, and there is an easy mechanism to do this. So it might seem like it's chaotic, but I have great hope, and we just have to give people courage and just say, it's either walk away from the fear, you know, and to walk into a beautiful world of uh, accountability and truth. Man, this, I mean, that was so well said, so beautiful. And I mean, again, I, I can't, um, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. I'm glad that we have someone like you speaking out and speaking for freedom because we definitely need to have more thought leaders out here trying to educate people um, in, in a variety of areas because as as we've mentioned throughout this, this whole conversation, there's just a, a plethora of areas that are corrupt, that are, that are being, that are manipulating people, coercing people and taking advantage of situations. And it's definitely something that needs to be um, brought to the light. So um, what I, I was going to ask you one last question, and I guess I don't know how, if there's any way of like trying to keep it simple or what are your thoughts going, you know, in regards to the vaccine and the fact that there hasn't really been a lot of actual testing trials of it and they're releasing it and kind of pushing it to people, basically encouraging right now, uh, it may go to a point that they're requiring it for people to be able to go to work, travel, things to that effect. I'd like to kind of get your overall thoughts on the vaccines. Yes. So first of all, I would say, was it necessary, right? So if um, SARS-CoV-2, there's prevention and treatment back in January, February, the Zelenko protocol, uh, and elderly were having symptoms then, if there was prevention and treatment, then there is no need to wait a year, right? So that's the first thing. I would say absolutely prevention and treatment. No one need die. There is no need to put the world on hold at all for a, for a messenger RNA anything, okay? Okay. Yeah, and also in this winter, so the beauty of uh, vitamin D, C, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, and zinc, ivermectin, is that it will work for every flu season. So in fact, there's actually a huge question whether you need any any vaccines for any mRNA virus, any RNA virus or any viruses, right? So in fact, the globalists have actually communicated 
you know, at prevention and treatment will come out. So there's no need for these vaccines, right? Because you can give hydroxychloroquine works in eight hours. It's one of the safest drugs in the world. And if you take it in preventative dose, one little tablet that's very safe over the flu season and zinc, you don't need to uh, need a vaccine and you won't die. So that will be there for hundreds of years. It's, it's been approved and validated for 60 years. So therefore, I would be saying there's no need for any kind of vaccine, right, a year later, no need for lockdowns ever, no need for masks, social distancing, absolutely no need for PCR testing and quarantining. And I'm saying they've also picked the wrong virus to do this kind of pandemic and the truth will come out, okay? You picked the wrong virus, I like that. They picked the wrong virus. They picked the wrong infectious agent, right? This was you, one of the you wildest were, things. If you were to be on the other side, what, what kind of virus would you have chosen? So I won't provide, I have never said what I would have chosen, so it's fine. I would not mention it. Yeah, I don't want to be... Uh, if that's okay, but then no, that's fine. I just I was being I was being more funny than it. I was trying, I know, to, be, trying I know, to be funny. I know, and I don't want to say because these people are not that bright. Actually, I have to say, you know, when you actually challenge them, they really are not too clued in about the areas that they should know. So that would mean you can kind of easily, you know, uh, see the gaps in their knowledge. Yeah. Right. Of course, this whole thing has been based on a lack of truth and manipulation in social media and not been challenged over 20 years and a dumbed down education system. And, you know, ensuring as well that doctors only get incomes if they go along with an agenda around vaccine uh, children, you know, so that there's kind of a registration process. And I think what's ex extremely shocking is that, you know, babies don't have an immune system that would make antibodies under one year of age and essentially under three or four or five years of age. So there is like huge illness, adverse events and death associated with the vaccine schedule in America. And under three, it brings no benefit to the babies, right? So that is really criminal. And when people realize that babies cannot make antibodies and that there are two, 32 different names for death as an adverse event, associated with the vaccine schedule and it's called SIDS and SUDS and the parents are not aware it's death, they would never uh, give those vaccines to young to babies when they see the risk of death is much higher than any risk uh, of the illness. But then just very briefly about the mRNA. So there was uh, the mRNA is not a vaccine at all, right? It actually sets up an autoimmune disease in the body and the one of it's called viral interference, cytokine storm, priming, super priming. Mm -hmm. But another name is ADE, antibody dependent enhancement. And enhancement means that this mRNA enhances the disease symptoms, right? So it's something that makes you sick and it doesn't elicit a protective immune response. So therefore it cannot be called a vaccine. And because of that legally, it can then does not come under and medical thing, it's a gene therapy or it's a treatment. It should be compared with treatments like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and vitamin D. Mm -hmm. But if it's a gene therapy, uh, then it cannot actually get the skipping over the safety studies. Only a vaccine and it's not a vaccine. Pre-Search, the next generation decentralized search engine that is powered by the community. Get paid when you search and earn 
pre, P-R-E, crypto tokens and control your data. Learn more at presearch.io, P-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot I-O. Actually changed the way I wouldn't have said anything if it didn't change how everything sounded. No worries, but we're we're at the tail end. We're we're really about done. I know it's. Oh no! Just to say as well that the mRNA then it sets up a an immune system response. So if you've come across, we'll say a coronavirus, and you get the mRNA, uh, you can then have this thing called viral interference that makes you sick. Mm-hmm. Or if you get the mRNA and you come across a virus, it can make you more sick. And what it does, it's it's elicits a response either to the vaccine or the mRNA or the virus. And then when you see it again, the immune system in this molecular mimicry and with the T-cell response, wherever the mRNA is in the cells or tissues of the body, your own immune system attacks your own organs, and then it starts to you know damage that. And then normally the immune system would clear or get rid of whatever the virus is. But if the mRNA is integrated into your cells, then your immune system sees, oh, this this is everywhere. The immune response becomes very heightened and you get this what's called cytokine storm. People go into sepsis and organ failure and can die very quickly. And the elderly, it seems to be the T cell immune response because they see this mRNA and they can die, you know, within maybe days or within a short period of time. But the worst thing you can do, and also it seems to be that it's setting up an attack in an autoimmune thing against the heart. And we see that a lot of young and middle-aged people are dying of heart attack by priming from the virus. A lot of the elderly are just exhausted because they have come across, you know, the maybe coronavirus or common cold in their life and their immune system kicks in. And if they have chronic underlying conditions, they just die within a few days. But in these mRNA, you should not have two injections. I've been saying it all the time, you know, with two or three weeks apart because of this disease causing. So if you are an elderly person and you get the second injection, um, you can then die very quickly afterwards because you're essentially, it's like if you had a peanut allergy previously, someone injects you with a peanut allergy, again, peanuts again, you you know, you might be able to overcome it and your body has just recovered and then three weeks later they do it again and you just, you know, your body is overwhelmed and you die. Yeah, it's shocking. Uh, yeah, no, it's very... It's- in some cases in Ireland we had in a care home I think 50 people, and I haven't checked it out, but within a short period of time, 50 elderly were injected and 13 died and I, in one week. And that was reported by a doctor in Ireland. And of course, it's, it's incorrectly been reported as the influenza-type disease, COVID-19, um, but they shouldn't have, you know, it's within too short a period. It's within a few days of the vaccination, whereas that takes, and, and if you did autopsies, it would be different. So it's it's really wow. shocking what's going on. It's very alarming. And and hopefully like this conversation will get people to be thinking and do their own due diligence and do some research themselves because there's it, there is information out there and hopefully you know I'll be able to bring you on for more conversations as well as maybe some of your constituents as well. Uh, but before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave people with? 
Well, well, I just say as well, in case people don't want to, I would never take the mRNA vaccine. Uh, if someone enforced me to get it, I would potentially charge them with attempted murder. Um, and if you paid me like 10 million, I wouldn't take it. It's kind of a Russian roulette. And there is a death switch, you know, and you don't, when the next virus comes along. And we also, I know there's initiatives to forensically look at what's in the vaccines and see is the mRNA SARS-CoV-2 because essentially if it's not quality controlled we don't know what other mRNAs are in there it could be against other uh, viruses or other organisms so people would not know what they are primed against that might cause them and then just to finish off maybe I would say for people to you know we do know that people may feel alone, you know, in a lot of our communities and in our families, maybe one person might be surrounded. And I think everyone is exhausted now and kind of half shocked and stunned that there are so many people that can't see what's going on. And I would say maybe for people to just take a new start, uh, the spring is coming, try and re-engage with your families and don't focus so much on this if you have a disagreement, but just trying to get them to come together you know, make dinner, do something kind and re-engage with your family and friends. And then to join initiatives like maybe the worldfreedomalliance.org, which we're, you know, you can be a member and then in your country you can either uh, find other people or we have pillars for law, education, health, science, banking, political activism, innovation. And even if you're on your own in your own country, there are communities of people. Um, and not to feel alone, because if you replace fear with love, uh, and if you, you know, replace isolation with community building, and exactly right, that suddenly as well, and even if you do a simple thing like plant a bulb or plant some food for this summer, uh, or just be kind to someone, you know, take the mask off, smile. And of course, um, all of the people in the medical profession and the police are our brothers and sisters. So, you know, also try, you know, they probably don't want to do it. So try and reach out to them as well and be kind. So I'd say spread a little kindness and try and uh, have courage and to, you know, be loving to people, even if they disagree with you. And really, the, I hope the worst is over and join us in the, you know, the way to really show that the globalists thought that this was their end game after 50 years. They're wrong. They won't win. The truth will come out in the end. And uh, we, you know, freedom, love, courage and hope is what it's all about. So well said. And thank you again, Professor Cahill. Um, I'm going to go ahead and really quickly do my closing up. I want to stop recording Absolutely. if you could bear with thank me. You. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to have links down below for everything that we talked about on today's show. If this is your first time ever watching any of my videos, I do encourage you to explore my channel. Make sure you're subscribed, smash that like button, hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date with my videos as they come out. Consider supporting me on Patreon. And as always, I encourage you to be the change by practicing change.